and he loves it. He absolutely loves not making people. It's incredible. <laughs> he just cannot resist it. If he sees a pair of legs, he's getting the ball between them. It's ridiculous. Tim Sherwood here. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. I mean, it's a disrespect that I can't get over. How many Chelsea games do you think this season have been introduced like this one was? A chance for Chelsea to kickstart their season. Chelsea have gotten a lot of things right now today. They want to add goals to all their possession. This is the day they want to get things right. This is the day that things change for Pochettino. As if Aston Villa have just come along as part of a subplot. To this, <laughs> you know, imagine those characters when Rocky's going on a montage and he's just beating the shit out of ten fighters that you never want to hear of. And we're, we're building up to the big game, like Chelsea are building up to when it really matters. Like who, who's this team in, in sweat and shirts? Like, yeah, let's <laughs> run over the top of them. Let's get the goals up. We're all excited now. Let's see. Let's see Sterling doing things he can never do and putting the ball away. Let's see Nicholas Jackson putting the ball away. Like, what are we talking about? Like, who do they think Aston Villa are? Who do they think Unai Emery is? Do you really think Unai Emery is going to go to Poland on Thursday night and sit through what was quite clearly the worst night of his life? We all saw. <laughs> I've never seen a man look as disgusted as I did Unai Emery in Warsaw. Do you really think he's going to let Villa come and roll over it against Pochettino's Chelsea? Give me a fucking brick. You know what the worst thing about this is? For for the first 20 minutes, I was sitting back thinking, fair play to Chelsea. They're so tight. They're so disciplined. And then I awaken from a fucking slumber or recover from the concussion I must have had and realised, why the fuck am I praising Chelsea for setting up like a Tony Pulis side? Like a, a Tony Pulis side minus a useful centre forward I might fucking add. Like they've spent a billion quid. And they've kept a few hundred million quid worth of players in the squad as well. And Mauricio Pochettino's master plan is to unsuccessfully shut down the half spaces for Aston Villa and then kick it over the top if they won the ball back. <laughs> and, and I know he's only had six games in charge, but I, but I also know I've definitely said this before. You can see what a manager is aiming at immediately. And if Pochettino's innovation is to be tight and kick it over the top, yeah. he's going to need a lot more than a basket of fucking lemons on his desk to absorb the bad energy because he's fucking sending his team out like a pack of lemons to tumble over a cliff. That was pathetic. <laughs> and Pochettino really is an interesting one as well. I mean, t- talk about a darling of the media. You know, at, le- at least Gareth Southgate is the England manager and a former teammate of a lot of your pals in the media. You know, at, at least Pep Guardiola wins everything. Pochettino did well at Spurs. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what, what did he actually really achieve? He got the Champions League final that Liverpool coasted to. And then he got the title running that he bottled against Ranieri's Chelsea because his players needed a fucking baby bottle against Chelsea at the Stamford Bridge. Ranieri's Leicester. Let's get that one right. <laughs> Chelsea would have been one thing. Oh, it was Matt. Who are these players playing for Chelsea? Like, it was... It was it was so stark when F. Anakuku pointed out that Aston Villa's bench is going to be stronger than Chelsea's. You know, in terms, mm. I'm, I'm looking at what the options are going to be here. 
and the options in him were Tillemans and Duran. He, he left out. <laughs> he left out Bailey. He left out Ramsey. He, he picked two other players that we would have had further down the pecking order. Two good players. Don't get me wrong. But these <laughs> are the ones he's picked out for the third and fourth best attacking options uh, compared to Chelsea's. Every time the camera flashed to someone, honestly, unless it was Mudrick with those tattoos on his neck, sometimes I had to wonder. <laughs> I don't know if I watch enough football. I don't <laughs> Like, if if we ever needed an indication of how insane the transfer market has become, the, the three most expensive wingers in the Premier League, Ord and Greenish, Grealish, are Anthony, Sancho and Mudrick. And I wouldn't go near oh. any of them. Leon Bailey is better than them. And, and, and like, you know how fucking difficult that is for me to say with any player after Leon Bailey. Leon Bailey is better than those three wingers. At this lad, Mudrick. I mean, F and Akuku. Efna Kuki has obviously never seen him play before. The excitement he showed whenever he picked up the ball. I've seen more coherent dribbling during a Gary Neville interview. Like, what a waste of space he is. Yeah, he, he really is. I, I don't know what he's bringing to the team. But okay, and do you know what's really aids well? I, I think on this podcast, you might have declared, sometimes I think, geez, he ain't really gone for it there. But this one's, <laughs> aged, <laughs> this one's aged well. I think you said, quote, I'm going to try and quote you. Ben Chilwell is the most overrated footballer on the planet. <laughs> I thought, what a drive-by that was. Like, oh, it was so unnecessary. And he, you know, he, he seemed fine to me, but like, what is he? What, what's he doing not playing in this team? Why is Gusto playing ahead of him? I know they're different sides of the team, but how can he sit back and watch this happen? Well, why is Caldwell playing left back ahead of him? That's that's yeah. the big, big question as well. And, and Mudrick, you know, Mike Mudrick's playing on the left. Chilwell should be saying, I can play there too. Like, you know, push me up, play five, whatever. Po- Pochettino said that to him in the first two games of the season. He absolutely indulged Ben Chilwell. Like, he, like he was desperate to fit Ben Chilwell. I mean, it almost looked like in the first game of the season against Liverpool, he was making Chilwell the heartbeat of the team. Look how that's aged. <laughs> well, let's talk about the only goal of the game Mr. Ollie Watkins, he is up and running on my fantasy football team. Kept the faith of him every six games. Ollie Watkins is going to fucking deliver for me. And I'm delighted that I did. But this goal all started with Pau Torres as defending. Ben Ben Chilwell actually got forward pretty well. um, Played that ball across. And it was a dangerous ball. You could see that Villa had the players there, but it was just... This really was the uncertainty corridor because there was a Chelsea player. It might have been Nicholas Jackson, in fairness. But they were closing in. I was worried, look, Dean was going to do something stupid because he was arriving on the scene and Pau Torres just passed it out for a throw. And it was it was very cool. It was brilliant defending. And it all came from this then because when Chelsea took the throw in and put the ball back into the box, John McGinn chipped it out to Diaby. Thiago Silva did his thing. Diaby ran around the other side for where the ball was going to land from Silva's cock up and then he just he sent Watkins away and Watkins gets blocked down by Colwell and he just, he just needed a narrower angle he just needed a narrower angle to say fuck this I am shit oh it's gone in it's gone in and he drills it in off the off the far post it was oh, it was great to see and then and then again dragging him over to the crowd as well that was that was brilliant just you come over here and take your applause yeah, it was the first decent thing John McGinn did during the game. But the, <laughs> whenever I first saw that, I was thinking, how has he scored that one? Of yeah. all the chances he's had, he waits until he's a yard from the byline before smashing it in. But then when you see the replay, Sanchez has jumped over the ball. I know, I didn't and... really want to talk about that element. <laughs> but we have to, though, know, because Caldwell's reaction is amazing. He's 
fucking raging. And you can see him say to Sanchez, I've chased this lad 60 yards. I blocked his first shot, got back up and forced him into a position where the only place he can now shoot on target is directly at you. Like all you, all you have to do to save that shot is exist, and you couldn't even do that. Like I'm pretty intense lip reading for me, but I'm pretty sure that's what he says. In a very short period of time, but I actually think that goal summed up. Just to go back to the start, John McGinn's performance. He just clips the ball to Silva. You said he passed the ball to Diaby. Did he fuck? He passes it to Silva, who's about forty yards out. But luckily, he takes a touch like a forty-year-old, and Diaby absolutely punishes him. Chelsea did have the ball in the net at one stage as well. Um, it just annoyed me because I'm giving praise to Pau Torres there, right? This started with Zaniolo giving it away on the left and Nakadim was away past him. So it was just such a ropey place to give the ball away. It's passed it into right the right back position. Maybe Gusto was there at that stage. And then Zaniolo doesn't cover back and into left back. And, and Torres knows there's already a man over there, but he's sort of happy to, to double mark. Jackson inside with Kanza. So they're both watching Jackson take a touch and now going to roll the ball into the empty space. But because Zaniolo hasn't coming back and Torres isn't looking, there's now two men over on the right hand side. And Chelsea break down the right, obviously. And yeah, like, they, they, sorry, it comes then from the corner. Of course, it comes from the corner. But John McGinn did do his one amazing thing in that game. He recovered that situation really well where the ball got played in from the right-hand side and it was McGinn that intercepted and conceded the corner that we, we conceded from. <laughs> no, he did do really well to get back there. And then Ollie Watkins is absolutely trying his best to get the Sassy back on side, but he just can't stretch his shoulder out far enough. It's really unlucky from Watkins. Could have... Uh... Could have really helped out Chelsea there. It was bizarre how desperately he was sprinting back into that near post. <laughs> keep him on side. Yeah. Red card for Gusto. I, like, you know, the, the question was, did he get the ball first? Sometimes you just have to ask, did he, did he need to do that? Like, this is uh, the tightrope you're walking. It's not even a tightrope. It's just, it's too dangerous. You can't be clattering into people like that. The the reason I'm, I'm referring it to as a tightrope is because there is a line where we love when, it, like, when a Matt Cash gives somebody a tackle like that. When they, when they get the ball and they come through them, but this was just a bit unnecessary, especially where it was as well. Like the, Nobody was going anywhere. It was Luca Dean receiving the ball in his own half and Gusto was just jumped two feet off the ground and that, that's that's the position you're leaving yourself in. Then. It's unnecessary, I would say, more than anything. Probably red card for stupidity more than anything. It, it's a really bad pass from Zaniolo to Dean as well because the ball's on inside and he literally gives Dean a, a hospital pass. And I think you're you're trying to you're trying to coach that a bit too much there. I mean, you're being really kind. It's fucking it's a horrible tackle. But Jared Gillett wouldn't have been happy about this. I mean, he knows what he saw. He, he saw Gusto's back stud clip the ball before his entire body weight goes through Dina's ankle. Yellow card. Let's get on with it. Yeah. And I can only assume. That when Andrew Madley called Gillard over to the monitor, he showed him footage of his family gagged and bound and told him that if he didn't send Gusto off, he'd send them off to meet their maker. Because <laughs> that's because the only way. <laughs> it's the only possible way. And when I heard Efana Cuckoo's reaction, who was obviously watching the replay before before Lee showed us, I was thinking, ah, brilliant, he's gone. He must be sent off if that's a Cuckoo's reaction. And then the camera pans back to Jared Gillett, and you're thinking, oh, for fuck's sake, there's going to be a close shave for Chelsea. <laughs> that that was an annoying habit of a cuckoo. I don't think it was his fault. Uh, maybe he just wasn't aware. Maybe he needs help in this department. But he was obviously watching a lot of replays that we weren't privy to. 
and he was, he was commentating on them as they were happening and it's like well, we're, we're we're not seeing this we're seeing you know pochettino talking to someone <laughs> like you know, just describe it a bit better or don't just he's reacting to it. it's like ah oh. you know, like you're on the phone to someone and they're reacting to someone that they're watching and you're like are you are you even listening to me <laughs> let's leave it there we'll take a quick break and we're going to come back with whatsapp wins what a day what a win Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Couple of fines to go through first and foremost. Uh, the old classic, Douglas Louise played the ball. They're trying to find Luca Dean. It's always poor Luca Dean hit it straight out of play. And this was just after he ran into three players as well. He just had a ropey one minute. And that, that, that one led to the Casado shot when Douglas Louise just decided to go on a glory run. Although he actually did go on a beautiful, not a glory run, but he just took it round three Chelsea players every different way. He was pretending mm. to go back and then came forward put the ball in their studs and pulled it back, went forward, went in another direction. It was like, I, I was actually looking at this. This was in the center circle thinking, mm-hmm. this boy could actually just go the whole way up the pitch doing this to people. I, <laughs> I'm starting to judge him for not doing it more often. Yeah, that was that was an incredible piece of skill. And I think it was really show, summed up how good our midfield was because I think it was... Um, it was Kamara had just tracked back and poked the ball out from around the corner from Sterling, I think it was. And then Douglas Louise does that in the middle and he actually sends Zaniolo away who manages to dribble inside and not make somebody and pulls the ball back not very successfully. But it was just an absolutely lovely image of what our midfield could be in the future. Yeah. Uh, Douglas Louise and Kamara were amazing. We'll, we'll come back to that. The ball that he gave away to Casado actually when he ran into trouble and it led to the shot the, the most tame shot I've ever seen led to the worst bit of commentary I've ever seen <laughs> <laughs> either side of Martinez that might have caused a problem <laughs> yes that is the point <laughs> immediately before that I was like Casado let's fly as the ball is st- like she got that whole sentence out before the ball left the foot and got to Martinez <laughs> Yeah, either side it might have been a problem and then either side and had it gone further away than his reach that really would have been a problem then as well <laughs> um emmy martinez gets a fine as well just trying to play it out to right back and hitting it out of play so we'll come back to him i think maybe in the what what the fuck award who knows who knows <laughs> but the first whatsapp one is john mcginn stuck in the mud <laughs> He looked, like, he looked a bit lethargic today. He was standing a lot. He was getting caught on his heels when players were passing the ball to him. He was slow. His reactions, he wasn't he was doing that thing again where he doesn't move on the ball. Classic example was the goal that we got where, yeah, he got the ball to the box with space, but he just, just, like I said, he played it out to Diaby, played it out in that direction, and it was just he wasn't moving on it. And there was one... There was one he just tossed into the right back area, Chelsea's Chelsea's right back area, standing on the ball about thirty five yards out, nice angle options, and he just he just kicked it like to nobody. There was nobody there. It was like, what, what, who are you even trying to pick out there? He just, standing over the ball, just kicking it away, and like I feel like even when he was pressing, his head knew what would be good. 
you know, it was like, oh yeah, I, I, I could step in here. He was still being smart of, of where he should go, but it was just, it was just too slow. Like it, John McGinn's effort, it wasn't like it wasn't there. He was just, he was just leggy. He was doing everything slowly. Everything was delayed. It's not even like I'm not even coming down on him too hard. I definitely would have taken him off very early. But sometimes your body just isn't right for a game, especially when you're playing midweek. So I don't know. It just it just looked like he was heavy out there mentally and physically today. Yeah, I mean, his body wasn't moving quickly enough. The chemicals between his synapse weren't moving quickly enough either. I mean, he couldn't think at all. He was dreadful in and out of possession. I thought he couldn't get on the ball. And any time he did, I was thankful that he couldn't get on the fucking ball more often <laughs> because he was terrible. Great interception at the end of the half. But other than that, Jesus, a really forgetful day for John McGinn. Yeah. There's another element to John McGinn that I was thinking about. Do you remember the Newcastle game where we hammered him at the end of last season? And he bullied, he bullied Dan Byrne of, mm. of all the people in the league, right? He is the, you would say, you would start with Dan Byrne and work your way down thinking like I have to build up to the boss at the end of the level. Dan Byrne is that guy. If I'm going to be, be able to take goal kicks down against anybody, like Dan Byrne is the ultimate challenge. And, and he fucking put him in his box so easily. Why don't we do this all the time? Like, what, what, John McGinn proved that he can do it against the most difficult opponent, taking these long balls, holding them off, taking the ball down. And Martinez usually gives it away anyway when he's playing it long. So why is he not just always hitting John McGinn? Why aren't we using that tactic more often? It's strange. It's strange because we were using the tactic, not enough either, but we were using it as well, but we were playing it into, into Zaniolo. And Zaniolo did quite well, but he's never... He's never as convincing as John McGinn whenever the ball's getting played up to him. He just looks, it always looks like he might lose the ball. And that's partly because of his languid style. It's partly because of how long his legs in. So he's trying to entice people in to win the ball back. But it never looks as solid as John McGinn. He doesn't have the same low center of gravity given to John McGinn because of his arse. So it just doesn't look as tight. But I don't know why we were hitting that ball to Zaniolo so often and refusing it into John McGinn. It was strange. I really like Zaniolo. Just gonna say it. I I like him. I I, I like his makeup. He is strong. <laughs> he's a, he's a strong boy. You know, it's all about physicality for me. And he's solid. Like he, I feel like he can play him any ball. He can he can nudge people off the ball. He, ah, he's he's a good bit of stuff, isn't he? <laughs> if you're going to describe somebody as a good bit of stuff, he he is a good bit of stuff. It's. You know a lot of raw traits so far in his first few Aston Villa games, but I don't know. I I think I can get on board as any other train. Yeah, I I don't want to skip ahead to the to the Paul Merson. Oh, that's just filthy award. But the oh, the nutmeg, the nutmeg. But it wasn't just the nutmeg. It was just the strength immediately. He just nudges somebody out of the way, like as if they're not there. Just palms them off his left arm goes past him and then someone else comes back in thinks leave my friend alone and just not rolls the ball between his legs plays a dreadful ball to John McGinn immediately after that <laughs> I think John McGinn recycles it and Cash ends up getting in and plays a nothing pass across the edge of the box but just that moment and he loves it he absolutely loves not making people it's incredible <laughs> he just cannot resist it if he sees a pair of legs he's getting the ball between them it's ridiculous <laughs> the second WhatsApp winch Matt Cash has to stop this. <laughs> like, honestly, I think Matt Cash scoring goals. We, we've been here before. I think Matt Cash scoring a goal is the worst thing that can happen to Matt Cash because yeah. he spends the next 10 games. And Matt Cash has been really good the last few games. But every time he gets within any sort of shooting range, he is shooting. And you can tell, like Watkins especially, and you know 
you might think, who's he to complain about anything? Like, what, what, what's he going to do if it if we played to him? But Jesus is just shooting all the time. All the time. Yeah. There was one from the corner of the box yeah. that he he lined up for about fucking three seconds and then drilled, drilled it straight at the goalkeeper. Like, you know, about a foot off the ground. Keeper bent down, caught it in the stomach. And even if you strike the ball as mad, as well as Matty Cash thinks he can, you don't you don't shoot from there. It was absolutely ridiculous. There were two players in the box at the back post, and Matt Cash can't hit the ball as well as Matty Cash thinks that he can. <laughs> so we should refuse that option a lot more than he fucking does. Yeah. The third WhatsApp range. What planet is Jared Gillett on? <laughs> he blew it up. Like the he added three minutes at the start of the first half. And he blew it up before two minutes were gone in injury time. And in that two minutes, he was talking to Luca Dean for ages. And Martinez was standing over a goal kick for ages. So <laughs> we, were like, we didn't even get to play any of those two minutes that were played. He obviously just made a mistake. He saw, he saw his little hand go to 12 on his watch. <laughs> I thought, yeah, that's the minute up. And then he realized he was a minute early. And then he adds 11 minutes. 11 minutes. Where the fuck did that come from? Like Chelsea fans were gone. They, they, they were well beaten. They didn't want to sit through another 11 minutes of this. They, 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 that was a procession. Not the 11 minutes in, but the, the last five, six minutes in, in normal time. They were well beaten. They had nothing to offer. And he added in like a, an extra 10% basically onto the match. And it was like, this is this is madness because anything can now happen. A free kick could go in. We saw a couple of them going in. Somebody could cock up. We saw a couple of cock-ups. Anything can happen now. It's like, like the amount of time he added on there, I don't know where he got it from. And I'm not even talking about just his general decision-making then as well and his general demeanour too. I feel I feel bad that we, we were both once really praising him before he started in the Premier League. That's an interesting memory trick you've had there, Connor. <laughs> it's hard to know where to start with his performance today, but let's see. We'll start somewhere and see if we can just figure it all out. <laughs> He booked Luca Dean. He booked Luca Dean when Luca Dean was standing there with blood covering the bottom half of his fucking face. Yeah. And Gillett's walking over to him. I assume they give him little squares of tissue, but then he books him. The, yeah. and, and, and Dean has done the most obvious yellow card offence since Chiellini pulled back Saka. But that was because Luca Dean had just taken a fucking forearm to the face. He, he almost certainly assumed that it was grand to pull down this little bastard yeah. because he's just got forearm to the face. He could probably feel the blood running out of him. Maybe that's even why Luca Dean pulled him down because he had lost so much fucking blood to his brain that he couldn't think of anything else to do. It was ridiculous. The three minutes, the commentator told us that Gillett, Gillett misheard the fourth official. Very easily done, you have to admit. Sure, if I had a euro for every time I've misheard three minutes as one minute and 53 seconds, I'd have as much fucking money as Jared Gillard has IQ points. <laughs> Absolutely silly stuff. And then the Chelsea fouling as well. I think it was Efana Kuku again. He said he, he's, he's let a few go, Jared Gillett, a few late tackles. Chelsea primarily the aggressors. He's kept his yellow cards in his pocket. So many unnecessary words there. He could have just said Jared Gillard is in this game. And then the fucking, the creme de la creme at the end, the fucking piece de la resistance is fucking Chilwell getting a booking while Aston Villa have two-on-one situation, put oh more down their goals. God. And George Gillett's behind it all, watching it. Yeah. And as soon as Tielemans comes over to complain to him, he just starts saying, I know, I know. What do you know? 
You know he should have played on. He should have won that beforehand. What the hell have you only figured this out now? The ball has been kicked to Leon Bailey. Why have you blown up? I know Chilwell absolutely deserves a booking. He deserves a slap as well, but that's neither here nor there. Like he's got, <laughs> Leon Bailey is two on one now, and I think it's Thiago Silva that's got two men running at him. Jesus Christ! Yeah, that, that's like, it, decisions are always one thing. Not being able to keep time properly is another thing, and then it's, it's the demeanor is the, the other. Like it's a, the arrogance with which he's holding himself throughout that game, and the the confidence that he. he that he has when he's making terrible, terrible decisions. It's crazy. And like you would like to think that Howard Webb has now set a precedent of sitting these boys out when they have awful matches. Like if somebody like him does just need his wings clipped a little bit. He's got a lot of praise, mostly from us two as well. <laughs> <laughs> he's been bigged up, he's been he's been welcomed in as the saviour. And now his ego's out of control a little bit, and like he, he needs sobering up. He needs to know that, Jared, you're actually very, very human. As it turns out, you're the one who's actually the worst so far that I've seen in six games. Yeah, and look, you know, he's he's moved on a lot since one half of this podcast was demanding the Premier League fly him over <laughs> first class from Australia to get him in because he's the best referee in the world. But like, he, he, like at no point either did he decide to have a chat with with his assistant referees. Yeah, and, you know, <laughs> the, the, the commentator told us whenever there's a doubt, the assistants are told to keep their flags down. Chelsea were offside 10 times today. There was only one of them that was doubtful, that was tight. <laughs> but that was fucking Raheem Sterling. Just put your flag up and let's get on with the game. It actually would have benefited Chelsea because Konza yeah. would have been standing over a free kick as opposed to Emmy Martinez having the ball for the next three minutes. <laughs> That's the rule that you love, though. You, you love when the linesmen keep their flags down and, and abide by this, this I, new rule that we have. I absolutely love whenever they keep their flags down, whenever there's a question about whether, whether or not it's offside. There was no question at any stage that Nicholas Jackson <laughs> was offside he played the whole game in the offside position <laughs> okay let's leave whatsapp when there we've got a lot of awards to hand out and a lot of celebrating to do we'll see after this this is paul mcgrath you're listening to the villa podcast sherwood gets the job england go to the world cup lose to belgium in the group beat colombia beat sweden do they beat croatia I know you think they do. I know, I know you think that Tim Sherwood beats Croatia. Dean Smith is a roller coaster fan. Dean Smith has <laughs> never, never met a woman that he fancied and didn't tell her. I feel like I have to explain to you. I, I do enjoy supporting Aston Villa. <laughs> <laughs> the son of a Monte Carlo banker gambles that a non-consequential footballer standing over the most consequential kick in the sport. <laughs> Is going to open up his body and whip it across into the side net. <laughs> yeah, I, I went through all those scenarios and stuff that you would say and stuff that Jared's obviously thinking, and, and then I just wrote down, just figure it out. Like it's not my problem. <laughs> you figure it out. The hills are alive with the sound of people talking absolute shit. The Ashley Westwood, oh, he was playing award is a story of redemption this week <laughs> because the only man I had written down is the man that I think had one touch in the first half <laughs> is Ollie Watkins. 
not all his fault, but I'm sure his first touch came in the 30th minute. I, I, I am convinced of that. And it was actually, had he go and win the ball back himself, lovely interception around a left-back spot for Aston Villa. And then he just charges down the left wing on his own, does really well, gets it inside. The ball switched across, ends up a match cash space at the edge of the box, and we know what happens then. And that was that was Ollie Watkins trying to get himself into the game. And I think I was probably looking at him a bit more, not through a fantasy football prism. I noticed what you were thinking. But, <laughs> <laughs> but just because he hasn't scored that much and you want to see him getting confidence, you want to see him being involved. But oh, the reality is the way Villa were setting up as well, they were being really tight. They were working really hard. They didn't have that much of the ball in the first half, especially the first 30 minutes. But he worked his way in, worked his way in, and he got his goal. So actually, I want to just celebrate Ollie Watkins right now. Yeah, one, one person who... Uh... Definitely isn't going to be nominated for the Ashley Westwood Award because I'm about to mention him again. Is F Anakuku because it was about <laughs> it was about the twentieth minute whenever he just mentioned Ollie Watkins that, and I actually thought, oh, he was playing. <laughs> I actually had genuinely forgotten that Ollie Watkins existed because he just wasn't in the game at all. You're absolutely right, and he was rightly nominated or should rightly be nominated for his first half display. Like you said, not all his fault. Villa didn't do a great job of counteracting. What Chelsea weren't doing, which was setting up like a team who wanted to win a football match. And once he did get that goal, once he did get that little squirt of confidence, he was really good for the next 10 minutes as well. He almost reverted back into the classic Ollie Watkins where he was pressing people, he was hurrying, and he was closing people down. And a lot of that is just enabled by Ollie Watkins' preposterous stamina as well, that he seems to come to life a lot later on in games because no one else can keep up with him. Yeah. Let's do the Rosenthal Award. Look at Dean. Actually, it was um one. I'm going to say one year to today. It was the anniversary of the Ronnie Rosenthal miss Liverpool versus Aston Villa way back in the day, back in the nineties. This week, so it was. So uh, it's very apt that we're bringing this award. I'm going to say we're bringing this award to you today. We do it every bloody week. <laughs> and here we are. Look at Dean. Is first up. Such a satisfying strike with that volley at the edge of the box. That was a classic. The ball's dropping to you, and people around you are shouting, "Have it! Have it!" <laughs> and he did, he did have it, and I was going to say, probably would never have gone in, but since what we've learned about Sanchez, it might have gone in, but he, <laughs> he, he tipped it over the bar anyway, it was it was just a just a, just a nice strike, even if it wasn't going to threaten the goal. Really. I actually thought it was one of those classics, what the, f- oh, because the dip <laughs> on that was An so... <laughs> not even that it was, the, the dip on it was so spicy it looked like he had absolutely ballooned it and then it just dropped out of the arc that it was on and was going into the net and like you said just put it on target against Sanchez and let's see what happens Martinez a save first of many on the permanently offside Jackson talking about <laughs> living offside but a great ball from Mudrick who would have thought but he can, he, it turns out he can play nice passes to players who aren't in the game <laughs> it's uh Jackson's coming in from the left-hand side. It's a, it's a great right hand dropping down at his near post from Martinez. He was just in the groove today. Sometimes you just think he's not conceding today. It's it's like he decides sometimes, or like not that he decides, but he knows when he's not conceding as well. He holds himself just a little bit differently. It's nice. Yeah, yeah. And he makes himself so big as well. And it's actually amazing that Ollie Watkins isn't a better finisher when he's facing Martinez every day in training. Yeah. The, the, only, the only thing I can think of is that his confidence has taken an absolute passion because he hasn't <laughs> scored in training. We're worried about him not scoring in fucking Premier League. He probably hasn't scored in training in weeks either. I, I mean, <laughs> but maybe, maybe the other thing is that he's 
he's, whenever he gets through on goal, he's hitting the ball so wide because he's just so sick of hitting it off Martinez's big paws that he's trying to bend it around him and just yeah. can't get it right either. The Zaniolo volley. Oh, my God. It's a John McGinn deep corner from the right wing for Aston Villa. It goes all the way across to Kamara, who has like a Watkins pillow head, sets it up for Zaniolo on the volley. And ah, he's actually pulled it as well. So lovely. It, it gives it a better direction. And it sort of gives it a bit more a bit more of a rasper to it as well. It was like the John McGinn, or John McGinn, the John Duran connection with, with his half volley. Just the way he sort of pulled it back in the direction it was coming from. Oh, it was a... Such a nice volley and such a good save in fairness. Yeah, it's perfect from all four players involved. It's a really good corner from John McGinn to pick out Kamara, who's completely isolated at the back post, which I'm sure was the plan. And Kamara's header is so spot on. That's not easy as well. because John. It's probably not perfect from John McGinn because the corner probably has too much loft on it. But yeah. Kamara controls it so well. The volley is controlled even better than the header. And yeah, Sanchez does well. Football is the winner in this Rossenthal. <laughs> The Jackson header from the Enzo Fernandez ball. I mean, that, that that could be the winner, really. He's sort of just put three over the top and he heads it wide. He might have been offside, they were saying, but we'll never find out because it was headed wide anyway. And then Martinez had a save on Sterling. These two poor fuckers. But Sterling went straight through. He might have been offside as well. And like this is just bread and butter for Martinez. It's like, oh, here, look. Do you fancy that little bottom left corner? My bottom left? Go ahead and then just you know, leg out. No chance. It's like Raheem Sterling, Felford, hook, line and sinker. <laughs> yeah, uh, that that's almost certainly the winner. It's it's just so stark as well to see Luca Dean trying to chase Sterling back. It was that was pretty pathetic. Really, it looked like a dad chasing his kid in the park. Well, I'm gonna get you. I'm gonna get you. Like you're not. You're so far behind him. We all know that. It was like he's trying to give Sterling a little confidence boost. Sterling got free on goal, and Jesus, he needed more confidence than that. It was a terrible finish. Yeah. Zaniolo should have laid in look at Dean at one stage he had a shot he did <laughs> like his volley you know when he had his hand over his mouth he just shot this and the two Chelsea players got blocked out <laughs> had his hand over his mouth and I had my hand over my mouth because look at Dean was completely free five metres away from him and then Diaby uh, I thought Diaby right footed volleys were just right up his, his street but uh, it's a bad Caldwell clearance and it falls to Diaby's right foot and he doesn't doesn't connect with it at all. It's not really a Rostal award, but oh, uh, well, it's definitely fucking is. I mean, oh it's, yeah, it's... I mean, I just mean from the connection, it didn't end up. But like, Jesus, uh, yeah, he should, he should have done way more of it. I should, I should have done any. He could have taken a touch there as well. I mean, it's it's the connection the dolls have is so bad that the commentator barely reacts, and she was very fucking keen to let everyone know anytime anybody was in the box with the football, <laughs> and she barely even she barely even got through that piece of commentary before it was moved on to the goal kick. It was insane. I mean, she was. Rolling anytime somebody was even no matter where they had the ball in the box it's like Sterling's through he's not he's on the byline and it's Raheem Sterling (laughs) Martinez save on Chilwell Matt Cash was caught a bit flat footed ball just a ball over the top it's like is this how we're going to concede a goal like we've got an extra man they're done and just just a loft ball in over the top in our right back area and Chilwell just goes straight through and has a shot and it's a great save from Martinez and and he's up, he's, he's up with a tongue out then and sort of walking backwards like Michael Jackson almost. And and that's when I knew, like, yeah, he's, he's not conceding. Uh, yeah, it's, it was too easy again. No, it's just it's just clipped over the top. And, like, we, we laughed at people raising an eyebrow at the high yeah. line that we played last year. But, Jesus, you can see my, maybe why they were raising an eyebrow if this is how easy it's going to be. 
sometimes it was it's ridiculous and that's down our fast side as well i mean this wasn't exposing torres and dean this is cash and Conza. <laughs> you shouldn't be getting in so easily and then but then Chilwell just tells martinez where he's hitting it by almost running around the ball looks like he was ironically running around the ball and martinez just drops down and gets his big paw to it because he knows where the ball's going jj yeah. ramsey had a shot that would have been lovely to see that go in just try to whip it around and uh, Sanchez saved it to his left. And then the last nomination is a Konza header from a corner. Oh, it's very kind language. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's actually incorrect language because he just turned his back on it and he backed it over the bar. He, he didn't head it over the bar. He backed it over the bar. What was he doing? Like, that was such a big chance. And then as 11 minutes were being played out in injury time, I kept getting more and more pissed off at him. <laughs> <laughs> this game should have been over. It should have been 2-0. We should be cheering, passing the ball around. Like, Pochettino was getting sacked in the morning and stuff. And instead, 1-0, because Kanza turned his back on Yeah, it was a really interesting decision, wasn't it? A, a no-look back over the bar. He's, <laughs> he's giving the keeper the eyes by turning his whole body on him and looking back at his own keeper and just letting the ball hit off his fucking back. It was, it was crazy. The Ramsey one, it was it was a decent hit and a decent save. But Leon Bailey gets very fucking unlucky with his trouble there because he was free on goal himself. But then he gets really lucky with his laziness. <laughs> I, think, I think Cash nips in and wins it back. And because Bailey hasn't bothered his fucking hoop in getting back, the ball just pops out to him. And all of a sudden he's through. And he does really well then to pick out Ramsey. And yeah, Ramsey's shot is decent. And the funny... You know when you win a match, this exact same stuff, this exact same sequence of events would be so much different. Like the context is really important. Like the, the, the way you're describing Leon Bailey, you know, I'm, I'm looking fondly into the distance, like ah, Leon, like, making me feel good, and he's giving the ball away and getting it back. Is like ah, oh, that's that, that's classic Leon. That is. Oh, Leon, you lazy bastard. Yeah, you know, the, the difference is nil, nil, one, nil. The other way, what the fuck? And he fucking lost the ball. <laughs> Uh, I think the winner is Raheem Sterling, though. I agree with you on that one. I only have one nomination for you, like Glenn Whelan, take a 90th minute penalty award. It's Austin McPhee. Again, there's no criticism here of Unai Emery for today's match. It's the low corners into the front post. What, what's going on here? Like, I, I don't <laughs> mind those front post corners where we try to flick it on with our heads. But Douglas Louise twice is just drilling one into someone's ankles. Mm. At the at the at the near post, I, I don't know what they're expecting to come of this. It's hard to understand <laughs> because <laughs> it has to either be a miss hit from Douglas Louise. Sorry, it has to be it has to be a miss hit from Douglas Louise because that can't be the plan. I mean, what's harder to believe that that's actually the plan or that Douglas Louise is miss hitting the ball twice like that? We know that he doesn't do that. Yeah. And we do that. We do know that Austin McPhee comes up with bonkers ideas. So maybe it is actually the plan. <laughs> maybe Austin McPhee has decided that this is a route to goal, hoping that our centre half can flick the ball on with his bad foot from three inches from the byline and six yards past the post. Crazy, <laughs> crazy setup. Absolutely ridiculous. Glenn Whelan Award. I think we could probably we could probably nominate our use of space as well. I mean, I thought we were set up fine, but I think we should be better in that Chelsea team. They were absolutely useless. And I know they were, they were in a tight setup. But I think, I think their players were nowhere near aggressive enough, and they allowed us to get on the ball in this very spaces. They were trying to prevent us from getting it, and and then that allowed us to have a platform and free up even more time and space in the areas they wanted us to have it. And 
Zaniolo and Diaby did really well in getting onto the ball and they drew the Chelsea players, which is what Chelsea wanted, but it shouldn't have been what it should have been what we wanted as well, because Chelsea didn't control that trap and they thought they thought they were setting they thought they were setting a trap for us and they were just piling out. Piling out is the wrong language. They were stumbling out four players surrounding Zaniola or Diaby, and then we just had three players free because of that. Because they were doing this and nowhere near aggressive enough to do the to do the defensive setup that they thought they were doing. Yeah. The Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I've got three nominations. Pau Torres to Mudrick in the first half. I mean, even turning onto his right foot, he looked awkward. Before he even started moving with the ball on that side, it was it just looked wrong. It looked like he was glitching. And then I'm not sure why then he decided to try and spray a pass over two Chelsea players in our box with his right foot. And like... It went to the right man, fell to Mudrick. Nothing happened. <laughs> yeah, we can add we can add right foot to the list of things that Pau Torres doesn't have, or maybe maybe that just explains why his left foot is so good. I mean, he's waited until he was twenty six before attempting to kick a ball with his right foot. <laughs> and then Emmy Martinez got blocked down by Jackson. I mean, I mean, and he's actually lucky. He just delayed. He held on to the ball. It's funny to look at Dean past him. I don't know what it was about it. it, it that that made me a bit like, ugh. And I don't know why. It wasn't the direction. There was enough weight on it. Maybe just Martinez was in a weird position to receive the ball anyway. He was sort of standing where he would take a goal kick. It was... I, had, I didn't like it. And um, Martinez delayed on the ball. And actually good that he got blocked down and we got a goal kick from it in the end because it was just another shite pass going into the stands. Yeah. Uh, like I, I've suggested we'll definitely concede from Martinez's casualness and hopefully this was the cock-up. You know, there's no better centre-forward than Nicholas Jackson to get it <laughs> out of the way with. But yeah, it was really bad. It, was, it wasn't was a great pass from Dean, but it's on. <clears throat> it's on if you can think about the next pass for Martinez. I mean, I wouldn't bother playing that because Chelsea Chelsea had closed down the space there. I mean, Martinez's pass to Konza isn't on and his pass to Cash isn't on because Martinez can't complete that pass so I would have just got I would have thought about something else if I was Luca Dean yeah and then Douglas Louise rolled back the years with one of those blind first time dinks to the left wing where he's back to the pitch in 80th minute I don't need Douglas Louise doing this when I when, there, when there's 21 more minutes to go <laughs> but uh, I think the winner uh, the winner's probably Pau Torres he gives the ball to Mudrick at the edge of the box with nobody near him but he just took a shit touch into Martinez yeah, it was, it was really, really bad. I'm actually surprised that Douglas Louise stayed on the pitch for so long because he was very tired at that stage. Whenever I saw Tielemans warming up, I was certain it was going to be for Douglas Louise. I was slightly worried about that as well, but I did think that was going to be it. There's another moment as well, though. The, the Abbey fucking running around with a ball stuck under his feet to try and get it back to Martinez. <laughs> I've never seen someone take as long in their life trying to get it back to your keeper. Such a bad fucking idea as well though because he refuses a pass forward around the corner into I think it's I think it's McGinn and then he, he turns it down because of a bit of pressure from Chelsea and he plays it back and he takes his fucking time about it. So their press is now able to move 30 yards further up the pitch and they all know what he's trying to do as well. I mean if someone is being aggressive in their press, that's when you have to stand up. Like you you have to be aggressive in your passing then. I mean this is 
this is what Pochettino has worked on all week in his office, Connor, with his fucking <laughs> basket of lemons, pressing. Like, don't don't let him make lemonade. Like, you have to be brave there. You have to play through it alternatively. Yeah. If you're going to play it back to Martinez, fucking play it back to him. Yeah. And then Martinez ends up floating the ball over Cash's head, like I just referenced, <laughs> which is probably a good thing because Cash had three men around them by the time Martinez was able to kick it out because Chelsea were able so easily to press further up the pitch because of the Abbey. And by the way, that all started because Mudrick was pushing up on the Abbey. Like, <laughs> the two players, Mudrick and then Diaby. Like, Diaby should never be allowed to go back to the keeper. Certainly not when he's running 20 metres in the wrong direction to then pass it back to the keeper. Like, he, he has to take responsibility to try and make something happen. That's fine if he loses it. So, ah, come on. Like, I, I appreciate that you want to keep the ball and things like that. But you're allowed to turn around and take on Mudrick, of all people. <laughs> Anyway, the Emmy Martinez is Ronaldo not hitting its shithousery award. It has to go to Emmy Martinez again. <laughs> Kicking that, that that free kick off Jackson. He knew what he was doing. Jackson is stupid. I've like, This must be a record. This Chelsea striker is prolific. He's got five five and six games. Five <laughs> cards and six games. This is like stats that are off the chart. You would have thought this for a 22-year-old. And he's just standing in front of Emmy Martinez. What's he doing? But Villa are winning. He he needs to get out of the way. It's exactly what Emmy Martinez wants. But Emmy Martinez also has levels. He's 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 got depth. He's not just about standing and not not playing the ball. He'll play it off. Oh, he can play. He can play the ball quickly enough whenever someone's standing directly in front of him. <laughs> when he knows somebody can get a suspension, here you go, bang! They're like he's played six games and he's suspended already. I wouldn't be surprised if Pochettino told Jackson to do that fully in the knowledge that he was on four yellow cards and making sure that he didn't have to pick him for the next game out. <laughs> and then the final award before we get on to the Vyman meter is the John Gregory, if I had a gun, I would have shot him quote <laughs> of the week. It's actually a hashtag UTV addiction quote <laughs> of the week. It is... It is the boss, Unai Emery, and only a win like this away to Chelsea after a bad result as well. This is when Unai Emery comes to life and he comes to life on his Instagram page. If you're not following him, it's Unai Emery underscore. <laughs> also follow the Villa podcast if you do go there. <laughs> but uh, you should definitely be getting on his, his Instagram page and he's, he's put up a picture of himself. He's put up two pictures. Like This is lovely. Unai Emery. One of the greatest managers in the world. I'm not, I'm not even being jaundiced. There he is. He's put up. He's put up a picture of the scoreline. You know, from the scoreboard in the stadium. It says Chelsea nil. Aston Villa won. That's the second picture. The first picture is Unai Emery on the bus home, laptop out in front of him, getting back to work, and he's got the Newcastle game on on another screen there as well. And he's just he's just working again. He's just doing what he does. He's getting back to work. He's got a match on Wednesday for fuck's sake. And his his caption is quote the award winner for this week. Coming back home, enjoying the way, and happy for the players and our fans. Thank you for coming and for the unconditional support. Like a family, we are grateful to you. I'm proud to be representing our club. Winning or losing, we must be together. See you on Wednesday at Villa Park. New challenges are coming. Keep going and up the villa. Yeah, it's it's almost it's almost like the lads 
couple of lads decided to pick Unai Emery as the next boss, knowing that you were an Aston Villa fan. I mean, he couldn't have been more handpicked for you than your, <laughs> your predilection and love of, you know, slightly sugary language, let's say. <laughs> slightly sugary, rocky-type language. Never mind the fact that he's a brilliant manager. Everything else about Unai Emery suits you so well. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I and I love it, Conan. It, it warms my heart knowing that your heart's warmed by every little inane Instagram post this man might put up. Oh, uh, let's do the Vimin meter. Let's do a very happy Vimin meter going up in Emery's Instagram follower count. After we've just given him a plug on the Villa podcast, going up. Maybe Austin McPhee's going up because only one of our corners that that we were defending ended up in the net. I actually wrote this down initially. Corner that didn't lead to a free header. <laughs> no, it did lead to a handball on Kamara. We got away with it. <laughs> and the ball got cleared. And it was like, Jesus, look at this. There's another one that Zaniolo just had it clear. Oh my God, we can do it. We can do it. No false corners. I'm all for it. Let's, let's give this positive reinforcement. Yeah, absolutely. It was, it was a corner that bounced across our box, though, the one that hit off Kamara's hand. And really liked that. I mean, that just happened to be the fact that Chelsea didn't bother putting anybody onto the penalty spot. <laughs> going up Kamara is going up I thought he was brilliant uh, I don't know if you remember just a nudge on Jackson just just oh, ran back pushed him out of the way and turned around and ran forward again how depressing is that this is the Chelsea football club centre forward this is the club who have embarked on transfer spend like no other this is the team that they've headhunted to lead this revolution under a manager who's going to lead the revolution and Bubakar Kamara is just running back, flicking him aside like it's just, like it's just a fruit fly on his bin. Like, get, get, get out of the way! <laughs> Slapping him between his two hands. Get out of the way! Fruit flies aren't in your way. Connor. How fucking small is your bin? Always in the fucking way. They're always just floating around in your face. And it was that's how you treated Nicholas Jackson. Like you, you're just, uh, I can just, I can just flick you away and then carry on with my day. And <laughs> Flicked him away, took the ball and carried on with the game. And he was, ah, he was just brilliant on the ball. He, he was brilliant defensively. And it was, it's good to see because obviously he was a bit pissed off getting brought off against Crystal Palace. So it's good to see him mm. just coming back and dominating the match. Yeah. And th- that one against Jackson was so stark as well because he ran past John McGinn, who had spent the previous two seconds trying to clip jackson's ankles instead yeah, of just fucking taking the ball off him so strange summed up john mcginn's performance also <laughs> summed up why we were desperate for about a year and a half to get john mcginn out of the fucking number six position and <laughs> sign someone like bubakar kamara to replace him and there was a moment as well where he was he was having such a good half villa won the ball back douglas louise plays a pretty fucking spicy ball into his feet but Kamara had already taken or had already put in so many brilliant tackles. So when his first touch necessitated that a second touch was a tackle, he <laughs> easily won the ball back and we kept going and he pushed the ball out to Matty Cash. I think Matty Cash just decided to pummel the ball across the box. And he didn't even look, Matt Cash. If Matt Cash is going to do that, if he's just going to smash the ball across the box without looking, and I can't believe I'm going to say this, if he's going to do that, I would prefer if Matt Cash just had a shot in that instance. (laughs) Uh, Going up, Emmy Martinez, a lot of big saves, big reason why we won away at Chelsea. Going up, and he's 
probably the one going up most in the last few weeks, but it's Ezra Konza again, I think. He's just been absolutely brilliant. Take away the, the goal that he should have scored with his back, or maybe he should have just used his head. But <laughs> he was class. Like he's just, he's just pure class. It's like he's gone on to another level again. He's, he's gone back to the Konza. I was thinking, oh, maybe maybe he's just better Like you know, when he's the main man, the main defender in defence. But like actually, he was, he was brilliant alongside General Mings all those times as well when he was really good. He's, he's back to that level. Like everything he does is flawless and effortless. It, it, look, it looks easy for him again, and it looks like he knows it's easy for him, more importantly. Yeah, I mean, the expression Rolls Royce is used too often when describing centre halves, but there's some people that it's just so perfect for. And I think you described him as a glitch in a computer game a few, That's a few right, years yeah. ago. He slides and then he's just suddenly up again. He's, he's on the ground and then he's up running again. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. He just seems to be constantly upright next to the centre forward. Yeah, No matter yeah. what he's done previous to that, no matter how far <laughs> behind he is in a starting position, he's just there beside the centre forward, putting him under pressure, putting enough pressure on the guy's shoulder that he'll eventually cough up the ball or he's just stripping the ball away from them. He was absolutely brilliant again today. Yeah. Ollie Watkins has to go up, plugging away in the sixth game he gets there. So hopefully this is the start of a, a new run for him. And again, he's just plugging away when he's not getting chances and things like that. So it's hard to not appreciate it. If, if this is the Andy Vyman meter, we have to keep stressing that Ollie Watkins is very much in that ballpark. Anybody else in particular that you want to mention? No, I don't think so. I think you've ca- captured the main the main players there. I mean, you could put you could put most people up. It was a really, really solid performance. Luca Dean wasn't great, maybe in behind, but that's not Luca Dean's fault. He's been asked to play in the halfway line against Raheem Sterling. It's, it's a tricky task for him. And he kept running. Yeah. Going up, Kieran Trippier, maybe. Helping my fantasy team along nicely. Got him in at the oh, right time. Did you, mate? That's amazing. In for the clean sheets, in for the triple assist, in for the three bonus points. Saving me. Saving me from a decision to eat a minus four to get rid of Phil Foden for Julian Alvarez. And Phil Foden went out and scored a screamer That's and got three fucking, bonus points. That must have been heartbreaking. That, that is amazing that Trippier has picked up. Maybe once we've wrapped this this topic up, we'll move on to the Weller. Or, you know, even better, you can tell me about your dream last night or some other inane bollocks. Young Ming Son, they said, they said move off him because he blanked against Sheffield United. Young Ming Song just delivered two goals in the North London Derby for him. I kept the faith. That's right. I should change my team name to keep the faith, FC. Change his podcast name to Liam Blanked. <laughs> the only person going down, I have Mauricio Pochettino for a lot of reasons, but the blazer was ridiculous. He looked like a greeter at the theater. You know, <laughs> <laughs> you ever see your man Troy Troy Hawk online who welcomes people? He shows up at petrol stations. He shows up at Aldi. He just welcomes people into the stores. Like football clubs are now hiring him for a lot of things. People hire him for events, and it's brilliant. Great way of words. Great way of compliments. And it's it's good crack to watch them, but like this is what Pochettino looked like—a football manager on the sideline, a football manager presiding over a billion euro operation, billion pound. Get me countries right. You know I can't, I'm going to allow this. Um, you can't be showing up to a football stadium in a double-breasted blazer. That's fucking absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. And if you are going to wear a double-breasted blazer, it's such a formal look. That you have to wear a tie. You can't just walk around with <laughs> a double-breasted blazer as as if, as if it's not the most formal thing. Like, imagine he was wearing a tails and no top hat, Connor. That's how ridiculous this was. <laughs> it actually was ridiculous, and I'm happy that you're you're on board. You and I, Emery, underneath that Aston Villa blazer as well. I don't think have we seen the Aston Villa blazer on an Emery? I don't fucking know, Connor. <laughs> 
<laughs> underneath keen followers of his Instagram account would realise that he was wearing a waistcoat as well. He had a waistcoat on, but on the bus home, no tie. Just a lovely waistcoat and the white shirt underneath. Look, he looks great sometimes, you know, Emery. <laughs> I thought that was a pause to say something. Anyway, well, we do questions we can't answer, but probably will. Let's do anything else, literally <laughs> anything else. The only question I have is a genuine enough one. Like, what is going to become of Aaron Ramsdale? Like, what is his next move? Because... And they, they, they were praising him today. This is the sort of shit you get when you're involved in the England team. <laughs> <laughs> they were praising him for, for not playing. Didn't play the London Derby. He's, 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 he's obviously dropped now at this stage. Uh, they were showing a clip of him with his hands in the air, applauding Raya making a save. Applauding another goalkeeper playing. That's, it's, it's, you know, what, what am I looking at here? What, what am I bringing up in this topic? But this is a guy who the arguments were he should be playing instead of Pickford in the England squad and hey as much as I think Aaron Ramsdale has his shortcomings <laughs> I can also make a case that maybe he should be playing ahead of Pickford in the England <laughs> but no he's just a, a, he's benched at Arsenal like Mikel Arteta's talking nonsense saying that he wishes that he could make goalkeeper subs more often or he wishes he had have made goalkeeper subs more often but he's not being serious he's never going to do that and I don't know why he would really do that either. Do you know, he was actually just—you wouldn't play David Raya if you didn't think he could do what Ramsdale could do, but also play with the ball at his feet. Ah, like this boy's become uh, like very suddenly he's become sort of plus to requirements, and yeah, I don't know what his next move is really, and it's 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 ironic just because it was him that was. Was he giving it the big the big time in the Arsenal Man United game? He was slagging off Unana and he was mimicking him. He's a week later. He's not even playing anymore. <laughs> I could start. A, life comes at you fast. Yeah, I mean, it looked like he was mocking Brendan Rodgers. I mean, the, the clap was <laughs> the, the clap was about as convincing as a Jordan Pickford thumbs up as well. We all know what he's doing there. He's in the stadium. He knows that these matches are broadcast, so he feels like he has to clap, and that's why he's clapping like an absolute idiot. And the, <laughs> you just mentioned they're playing with a ball with his feet as well. The most frustrating thing here is that Arsenal fans would have told you that he can play with the ball on his feet. And that was all based on the fact, much like Jordan Pickford, he can kick the ball long. It was like whenever Man United fought Wayne, fought Wayne Rooney could play centre midfield because he yeah. could strike the ball fairly hard. As they known when to strike it fairly hard is the fucking key to being able to play midfield. <laughs> but Aaron Ramsdale getting dropped, <clears throat> I feel like this is, this is like the time you asked me that I want to complete a victory lap after Matt Target was dropped before Christmas for Newcastle, after he made the transfer, and Newcastle fans were giving it the big in because they took our second best left back, and he turned out he wasn't as good a left back as a six foot six shit centre back. <laughs> but Aaron Ramsdale was never a top class goalkeeper. He was never a big goalkeeper. Big goalkeepers, top class goalkeepers don't make you go, oh, Jesus Christ at least once yeah. a game. Top glass goalkeepers know where their near post is, for fuck's sake. They have a general they have a general understanding of their place and time and space. I mean, Ramsdale does a more convincing impression of Matt LeBlanc than he does of a professional goalkeeper. The lad's shite, and it's incredible that he's lasted this long. <laughs> yeah. Any more questions you can't answer throughout the weeks and throughout the games and things like that, just send them on as well, the Villa Podcast on twitter we're on gmail as well if you want to reach out on email the villa podcast at gmail.com always good to hear your thoughts i'm always like every time i think of a nice topic to talk about here i can't get away from united there's always something really fun to talk about with united and really genuinely talk about it's not like you're stretching for a conversation point but 
a lot of the time I'm like, ah, there'll be plenty more opportunities to talk about. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just try and save it for at least another week. So yeah, we probably will talk about it next week. But anything you do, you do think of along the way, don't be afraid to send them on. Always appreciate hearing from you. And I always appreciate you and I, Emery, getting Aston Villa back on track, as John McGinn would say on his Instagram account, John McGinn 7, if you want to follow him over there. Huge <laughs> effort. <laughs> Huge effort from the boys after a rubbish midweek. That is right. It was a rubbish <laughs> midweek, but it was a brilliant day. <laughs> Thought he was going to say huge effort from the boys after a rubbish performance from me. <laughs> always appreciate your effort, though, John, and I always appreciate everybody listening. And I always appreciate a big victory away to Chelsea. Turns out we can play against some bigger teams and not get absolutely hammered. So the season is not dead just yet. Thanks very much for listening, and we'll chat to you on Wednesday. Yeah, we- Oh